0: Welcome to Season 4 of Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations, featuring rock and roll expert Frank Ost. I'm your host, Tim Friedman. Welcome back, Frankie. It's great to be here. Season 4, Episode 1, we're going to go through the Beatles one by one as solo artists as our featured artist. Paul McCartney first, then John, then George, then Ringo, week by week. That should be fun. Should be fun. Highlights of... Saturday night's Rock Hall Induction Ceremonies. So, Frankie, did you see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Induction Ceremonies uh, two nights ago, Saturday night? No. I Sorry to say I missed it. Uh, I was watching football. I think (laughs) (laughs) Cleveland did it it themselves very well, though. They they put on a really good show, Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse, with all the videos and that, that gigantic mega screen they have. It was a really good venue. The place looked like it was packed. It did. Great lighting and everything. It looked like a really good show. I think the performers, the inductees, are starting to get a little old, though. You know, some sent
1: videos and that kind of thing. So I don't know what the the future holds, but it's definitely going to be harder and harder as these people get older.
0: Carol King's going to be 80 years old. Tina Turner is already in her 80s. Exactly. Uh, Todd Rundgren still is touring, but he's approaching mid-70s. Foo Fighters were there. Dave Grohl, they performed Get Back with Paul McCartney after he inducted the group. Exactly. Not to end the show, but they're not having the gigantic uh, jam sessions they used to have. Right, exactly. Because, I mean, I don't think they are just enough people to,
1: to do that kind of thing anymore.
0: Yeah. Do you think it might become more of a Kennedy Center Honors type of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have the recipient there or, again, video in, some thank you. Yeah. And then have uh, a set by kind of a chosen few that... Uh, we're, we're influenced by them. Yeah, like
0: last night, Taylor Swift and Jennifer Hudson for right. Carole King. Carole King was there, but maybe they'll show a clip of Carole in the past or something. Exactly, uh, or yeah. Another kind of artist from the, from the past. So Patty Smith uh, inducted Todd Rundgren, and she sent a video, so she wasn't there. Todd wasn't, wasn't there, as we <laughs> expected, because we know his disdain for the Rock Hall and everything. He was happy that his fans were happy. Uh, maybe he'll say something about it next weekend when he comes to the MGM Northfield Park Center stage. Should be here next it's this coming very, weekend. Very possible. I
1: mean, I'm sure there were a lot of people in that hall that would have loved to have seen him.
0: J Lo was there. L-O Cool J brought down the house. He was uh, not uh, inducted as a performer, but one of the side categories. So oh, okay. That was cool. I thought maybe he was uh, inducted as a like. A, NCIS guy, yeah, right, (laughs) (laughs) like Mark Harmon or something. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, There's a touching tribute to the Everly Brothers and and those who had passed away, including Cleveland's own Michael Stanley. Last night, yes, I heard that he was he
1: was part of that, and that's really neat. That was nice. It would have been very easy for somebody like the Rock Hall just to skate right over that. Yeah,
0: well, the Grammys have certainly done that a time or two. When Natalie Cole passed away, they didn't even mention her. That's something.
1: Especially since she actually won Grammys.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Tina Turner wasn't there, but Mickey Guyton uh, performed for her, uh, Christine Aguilera, uh, Angela Bassett, who played Tina in the movie What's Love Got to Do With It, inducted right. her. The Go-Go's were there. Uh, Belinda Carlisle, the whole group, was there, inducted by Drew Barrymore. Dave Chappelle inducted Jay-Z. Everybody was there. You know, Foo Fighters, Paul McCartney, we mentioned. So for Tina Turner, Brian Adams was supposed to be there, but he couldn't make it. So uh, Keith yeah, Urban filled that. in at the last minute, and then they had you know other performers there. And we talked about uh, Taylor Swift and, and Jennifer Hudson. Now they're going to move toward a fall ceremony from now on, induction ceremony, which is cool. Sure, gives us something else to do than watch football, right? There you go. <laughs> and then HBO is going to run the show. They're going to have the peer down version. They always have a edited down three hour. Show on HBO and HBO Max starting November twentieth, so right around Thanksgiving, give us something to watch. Be kind of fun. There you go. If you have HBO or HBO Max now, HBO when they show the edited down version, they have it on, on three different channels or something, and they stagger the times so you can kind of get with the, the proceedings anytime uh, during like the three hour show. So that's oh, kind of gotcha. fun. Oh, Okay. So Cleveland did well last night. I thought it went really well. Yes. And we should probably be hearing some Rock Hall nominees for the class of 2022, I would imagine, sometime after the first of the year, maybe February, maybe early early spring or something like that. And then induction ceremonies next fall will happen in New York or L.A. or something. But Cleveland's going to get it every other year from now on. That's great because uh,
1: we definitely deserve it. I think we've done a great job with the Hall of Fame. It looks beautiful and they keep adding to it. So, yeah, I think we deserve it every other year for sure.
0: Now, Paul McCartney. You think he's listening to our podcast? He's our featured artist to kick off season four.
1: I would definitely think so. I, me too. I, I mean, if he heard that he was going to be the man, yeah, definitely.
0: You'd think he'd stop by while we record. But maybe <laughs> he will. We'll, we'll keep a lookout for him while we're doing our show. What do you think? That's the uh, the
1: that, light is always lit. <laughs> it's always lit for Paul.
0: <laughs> All right, Frankie since the rock hall induction ceremonies have taken place brand new classes in for 2021 That's we've gone right. over all the classes from 86 up till now and we've been uh, featuring two should get in mm-hmm. i give you one you give me one and uh, at least for nomination purposes it's nice to see these acts at least get nominated exactly. if not get in right. and mine would be sweet or in old days called the sweet you know little willie by the sweet it was a number three pop hit in 1973. I love that song. They had Mike <laughs> Chapman, and they had some really good songwriters behind them. The bubblegum power pop music of theirs, but they didn't like it. In fact, they liked hard rock. If you listen to the beat side of Little Willie, it'll be a hard rock and hard charging song. It's not bubblegum at all. Right. So you got to give the sweet credit. They scrapped that whole thing in the early, mid-70s, 74, 75, and said, we're not doing it anymore. Record company is like, what? You guys are doing great. No, we want to do hard rock. We're a hard rock band, and sure enough, Ballroom Blitz, Fox on the Run, yep. Love is Like Oxygen, which is a great tune. Was it eight minutes long? Definitely. They sold more than 35 million albums worldwide, completely switched that musical style from bubblegum to... Or, that's a good choice, wasn't it, Frankie? Yeah, absolutely. So, Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses fame cited The Sweet, or Sweet, as one of his two favorite bands growing up, along with Queen. Wow. So. I think the suite should get in, at least nominated. Absolutely. How about you? Me too.
1: Uh, But the one I'm looking at for today is uh, a gentleman by the name of Joe Cocker, who you probably can remember from when he burst on the scene at Woodstock uh, with a scorching version of the Beatles uh, with a little help from my
0: friends. Burst on the scene is a good way to put it. Exactly. Hot day, and he looked hot, and he looked. Just all over the place. Right, and people,
1: it put him front and center in the movie and the soundtrack.
0: People were wondering, what is this? Yes, exactly. But you knew it was good, wasn't it?
1: Exactly. Uh, he starred in that movie, uh, and uh, also he starred in another movie and soundtrack uh, of his triumphant American tour, Mad Dogs and Englishmen, uh, which was just a fantastic live album. He's had, uh, along the way, seven top 50 albums, 10 top 40 hits which is a little misleading since two of his biggest hits in England, Delta Lady and the aforementioned Little Help from My Friends, are not included in that list. Hmm. Uh, he was known for his gritty voice and obviously his dynamic stage movements that featured kind of spastic body movements. Most of his best-known singles were covers of songs by other artists, though he did compose some of his so- own songs for his albums as well. His 1974 cover of You Are So Beautiful reached number five in the U.S. That's a great song. It became his signature song. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere, too, didn't it, it. that that ballad. And then uh, Cocker's best-selling song was, uh, believe it or not, a duet, uh, U.S. number one, Up Where We Belong. Yeah, from uh, an officer uh, and a gentleman. Yes, Jennifer Warnes, which earned him a 1983 Grammy Award. Again, out of nowhere. Exactly. No less than Billy Joel, Paul McCartney, and Ringo Starr have all endorsed him for the Hall of Fame. So, good enough for me. With a little help from my <laughs> friends, was performed
0: on the Ed Sullivan Show in April in 1969. Great covers. The Letter, Feeling Alright, which was done by Traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came in through the bathroom window. Window, a great song. Now, as far as uh, cover songs, he's right up there with Linda Ronstadt, I think, as far as putting a cover together. You're going to remember. Yeah. His live stuff is great. Passed away at age 70 in 2014 but i thought i thought it was fantastic i'm surprised he hasn't gotten in already exactly all right frankie this day in rock history november 1st 1954 james brown and his group the famous flames cut their first demo of please 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 at a radio station in macon georgia not please please me but please 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 gotcha 1956, a rock and roll rarity occurred. Two versions of the same song were on the Billboard charts. The song Cindy, O Cindy would appear, one recorded by Eddie Fisher, the other by Vince Martin and the Terriers. Doesn't happen very often. i got to drag out my Vince Martin records. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't forget about the Terriers. Exactly. Elvis Presley in 1959 does not have an album or any kind of record on the Billboard charts for the first time in five years. He was stationed in Germany at the time, so he had other things to do. There you go. Ed Sullivan had Dave Clark Five on in 1964. They performed a lot of times. George Harrison became the first Beatle to release a solo album in 1968, something called Wonderwall. Yeah, I remember that one. That was a kind of electronic album, if I remember correctly. Warner Brothers added the group Faces in 1969. They were the small faces, but then Faces, that was Ron Wood, right? Yeah. And Rod Stewart. 1971, Sly and the Family Stone had to cancel yet another concert because Sly was not showing up. (laughs) 26 of the 80 concerts booked in 1970. 26 out of the 80 he didn't go to. That's terrible. I'm
1: sorry. uh, And it ruined his career, let's put it that way. Yeah, it
0: didn't get much better in 1971. He only showed up to 12 out of the 40. Oh my goodness. In 1987, U2 opened for itself. At a concert in Indianapolis, billing themselves as the country band, the Dalton Brothers. Well, that's odd. Birthday <laughs> <laughs> Birthdays, November 1st, Larry Flint, 1942. You know, the song by Paper Lace, The Night Chicago Died. Yes, I absolutely do. Chris Morris was born in 1944. Richard Kinky Friedman, 1944. Okay. Rick Gretsch of Blind Faith, 1946. Jim Steinman. Born in 1947, he died in April earlier this year, Jim. Yeah, exactly. 1950, Dan Peake of America. He sang the lead on Lonely People and Today's the Day. He died at age 60 in 2011, but he was born in the state in 1950. Lyle Lovett was once married to Julie Roberts. That's right. 1957, the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, 1960. Rick Allen, the one-armed drummer for Def Leppard was born in 1963, and David Foster is 71 years old today. There you go. Winner of 16 Grammy Awards. So keyboardist for the group Skylark, remember Wildflower in 1973? Oh, yeah. Canadian group. Mm -hmm. Then wrote or co-wrote a lot of songs. After the Love is Gone, She's a Beauty by the Tubes, Breakdown, Dead Ahead, Boss Gags. Co-wrote Glory of Love, Chicago's Hard to Say I'm Sorry. Sure. Produced the Chicago 16, 17, and 18. 17 was the band's biggest-selling platinum album to date. Exactly. What a career he's had. David Foster, 71 today. Wow. Concert calendar, Frankie. The Monkees are coming to town. On Wednesday, and I'm going. I'm taking I my was, sister, Mickey.
1: I was going to say, I wonder who's going to that one. <laughs> I, I know who
0: will be there. It'll be Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolans who sure. will also be cruising with the Beach Boys, I guess, next year in March. They're going to hit the high seas. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought that this concert tour of theirs on land was going to be their last one, but maybe, they're, maybe they got talked into it by the Beach Boys. Well,
1: yeah, that could have happened and somebody put a little money on the table and, you know.
0: Yeah. A cruise. A cruise.
1: Yeah, what's what better than that?
0: So I will give you a full rundown on uh, proceedings at the MGM Northfield Park Center Stage Very when we uh, talk about our concert calendar next week. Chicago, also at the MGM Center Stage. That's the next night on November the 4th. John Bonham's bringing his Led Zeppelin experience to the same venue the next night. So they're starting to get busy over there, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. Bob Dylan has a show starting promptly at 8 p.m., On Friday, November the 5th, at the State Theater in uh, Playhouse Square. That's not too long from now. It's only four days. Yeah, and you say promptly. Promptly at 8 o'clock.
1: He doesn't want to stay up past bedtime.
0: It's part of his rough and rowdy ways (laughs) world tour. (laughs) So Todd Rundgren will be in town on uh, the 6th and 7th of November at the MGM Center Stage, and then Carl Palmer's ELP Legacy, celebrating 50 years of that supergroup at the Kent Stage on Friday, November the 12th, for an 8 p.m. show. Yeah, that could be very interesting. And Genesis takes uh, their North American tour, their first in 14 years, to the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse at the end of the month, November 30th. That's a Tuesday night. It's a huge tour. They're going to be playing in the Motor City the night before. That's right. Wow, big tour. One hit wonder time, Frankie. Uh, One hit wonders. We're going to have a a new category called two hit wonders before too long. And some artists have had one hit and then another one. Usually it's a follow-up on the same album. Sometimes not. Right. It'll be fun to see. But this week, one hit wonders. Frank Mills. Remember the Canadian pianist, composer, producer, arranger. Hit number three. In 1979 here in the States with Music Box Dancer. Yeah, talk about a song that came out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. He started playing piano at age three. Put this song together at age four. No, I'm just kidding. But um, Canadian record company sent it to the wrong stations. It was earmarked for the easy listening stations. They sent it to a pop station and the DJ started playing it and that song and then a, a, a news station in Nashville used it as their closing theme to their newscast the dj started playing it there again it steam in the united states became a number 3 hit wow here in the states music box dancer frank mills the million selling single was followed up with the song peter piper which would only peak at number 48 yeah i don't remember that one so well <laughs> <laughs> next up Spyro gyra Jay beckenstein the buffalo band Morning Dance, number 24, that's an instrumental. That That's kind of what got me into jazz fusion, uh, new way, new age, uh, mm-hmm. jazz, smooth jazz. You know how much I like smooth jazz. Absolutely. So it was number 24 in the summer of 79. It hit the uh, number 17 in the U.K., number one in the U.S. adult contemporary chart. And, uh, you know, I saw him at Front Row Theater. Did you see Spyro Gyra? I did. I saw them at the Blossom Music Center. Yeah. It was certified gold, the single was, in 1979. Uh, you know, that was off of their second album, Inspiro Gyra, as with a lot of smooth jazz, jazz fusion artists have released 29 to 30 albums Good over their career. I didn't realize that. didn't either. Some very early on at the Front Row Theater. Of course, Morning Dance was still one of my favorite songs. It's a nice little bouncy contemporary Nice Sunday morning instrumental to listen to.
1: Yeah, and that's the, the one where I still, to this day, cannot figure out who I went to that concert with. <laughs> it is a total blank. Me so neither. if you're out there in listening land and you went to Spyro Gyra at Blossom Music Center, uh,
0: drop me a note. <laughs> <laughs> Number 24, Summer of 79, Morning Dance, Spyro Gyra, or Other One Hit Wonder This Week. That's a good one. Frank, you came up with a great idea. Albums that were released the week that we air. So November 1st through November 7th, I'm going to run down some of the albums that were released on this date or close to it. In 1970, American Beauty by the Dead. I was not a real wow. big Grateful Dead fan.
1: Uh, I'm not either, but I know American Beauty is supposed to be one
0: of their best. Sline the Family Stone, there's a riot going on.
1: And, of course, that's a classic album um, done by... Uh, Sly, when he was sliding into uh, his drug addiction. The Slip Slide Zone. <laughs> exactly.
0: Nielsen Schmielsen by Nielsen, also released on November 1st, 1971.
1: Yeah, and that's a, a fantastic record. And of course, it has his version of uh, the fa- very famous Badfinger
0: song, yeah, Without, Without You. Without You. When's number one? Traffic, Lowell, Spark of High Heeled Boys. Ooh, I love that record. 1971. So there's three albums there Sly, Nielsen, and Traffic. All released in the same day. Nice. 1976 brought Jackson Brown's The Pretender. Three years later, Ecstatic by Holland Oates. Jefferson Starship's Freedom at Point Zero in 1979. On November 2nd, 1967, Disraeli Gears by Cream. Oh, yeah. Another terrific record. 69 was a great year for CCR. Willie and the Poor Boys, that was one of their albums. They released that in November of 69. November 2nd, 1978, The Police, Outlandish De mm. Tom Petty released uh, Long After Dark in 1982 on November 2nd. 1973, brought Hall & Oates, Abandoned Luncheonette. That was when She's Gone very That's early. That's
1: right. A
0: great early work of theirs. America came out with History, Greatest Hits. That was a big album for them in 1975. 69 in November, The Allman Brothers. Just The Allman Brothers Band. Self-titled. Great. Footloose and Fancy Free, Rod Stewart, in November of 77. Good album. Mm-hmm. Elton John's Madman, Across the Water. One of my face. November 5th, <laughs> 1971. Hello, I Must Be Going, Phil Collins, 1982. The Monkees, Pisces, Aquarius, you know. Mm-hmm. Go to number one. On November 6th, 1967, it was released. Rod Stewart, Tonight I'm Yours, in 1981. Shake It Up by The Cars, also in 81. And in nineteen eighty two albums were released on the same day, November 7th, The Eagles Live, which was a good one. Very good. And Blondie's Auto American. Oh. Remember Diary of a Madman, Ozzy Osbourne's? Yes, I do. Yeah, that was released yeah. on November 7th, 1981. Gives wow. you a good idea of some of the stuff that's going on this time of year, just in time for holiday shopping. You got it. Number one albums for the year. We spanned 1967 to 82. Now we're going to start in 1982 and go backwards in time and start with the top five singles on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. November first, nineteen eighty two, give you a good feel for what was going on. Talked about Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warnes from Officer and a Gentleman, number five, with Up Where We Belong. That's moving down the charts Wow. Tonight. Michael McDonald's, I keep forgetting, number four. Number three, Eye in the Sky, Alan Parsons, it seemed like it was on the charts forever from the summer into the fall, right? Yeah, into that the was winter. A, that
1: was a great record.
0: John Cougar when he was still known as John Cougar. Jack and Diane came in at number two.
1: And, and then, that was the yeah, one that really Really kick-started it, yeah. his career. Yeah,
0: along with her, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Men at Work, number one, Who Can It Be Now? That helped Men at Work win a Grammy for Best New Artist. So Who Can It Be wow. Now? was number one this week in 1982. That's neat. The number one album for the week was John Cougar. He hadn't gotten enough cachet, had enough power with his record company to you know change his name to John Mellencamp, which he right would over the years. And I but, think
1: we had a John Cougar Mellencamp that, camp that's in there coming, for yeah. one, one with, or two records. Uh-huh, or whatever, you know. Uh-huh.
0: His fifth studio album was American <laughs> Fool, and held the number one spot for nine weeks. It had Hurt So Good, Jack and Diane, which was number two for the week, and Hand to Hold On To. Those were the big releases off of the album American Fool, which I think everybody has. Yeah, great that record. really got him him going. Now I like um, Nothing Matters and what it's, if it did the previous release, but this one mm-hmm. solidified him, didn't it? Absolutely. So Frankie, 1978, two album covers that you thought were the best. Now, these are albums that you have in your possession or did, so you were able to look at the album, the the cover art, the liner notes, what have you, uh, while you're listening to the album. And what do you have for us today? you got two good ones. You know,
1: I kind of looked at uh, what I'd been doing in the past, and it was all very male-oriented. And uh, I wanted to give a little shout-out to some females that uh, are, of course, uh, Very front and center in rock and roll. First one will be Blondie, uh, of course, that's Debbie Harry, and their kind of breakthrough album, Parallel Lines. Uh, The cover sleeve image was photographed by Ido Bertaglio and was chosen by Blondie's manager, Peter Leeds, despite being rejected by the band. Uh, The photo shows the band posing in matching dress suits and smiling broadly, In contrast to Debbie Harry, who poses defiantly with her hands on her hips, wearing a white dress and high heels. Yeah, you can picture it right now, can't you? Exactly. It was almost rejected because the boys thought that they looked weak, smiling and everything, and Debbie looked tough. Really, that was the whole point of the record. Uh, According to music generalist Tim Peacock, the cover became iconic, instantly recognizable. Uh, What makes the cover art stand out is that it does contain a series of white and black vertical lines that uh, form the background that the band is posing in front of. Uh, The black and white suits and and white dress uh, all tie together in a neat, simple visual. On the back cover, more parallel lines and a photo of the group uh, from the same photo shoot. On the lower side of there, there's uh, pictures of their shoes of each individual (laughs) member of the group so you can kind of try to match it up in your mind who belongs to what Um, the inner sleeve contains liner notes for the lyrics of each song and also it's done in the black and white parallel line motif finally it contains lyrics to a parallel line song now, interestingly enough, um, it's obviously where the record got its name, but there's no such song on the album at all.
0: <laughs> so you're searching and searching for the song to match up with the album. The title cut it's not there. Exactly. Was it on the next album? You know, No, it, 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 it never. <laughs> it never appeared. Never appeared. Yeah, but there are nice lyrics on right on the uh, cover. That's a great album. You can. The songs were great. Heart of Glass, one way or another. Number one album in the UK. Number six in the US. The album was great. The American rock band from New York City. I always thought they were from England. uh, Pioneer of the Punk and New Wave Scene on the Chrysalis record label. Absolutely. Other recording artists on the Chrysalis label, you'll know these. The Babies, Huey Lewis and the News, Billy Idol, Jethro Tull, Ultravox, just a few. Now, some moved on to other labels, of course. But in the 70s and 80s, if you got a new album from Jethro Tull or The Babies, it was on the chrysalis label you can see the, the green or the blue and white butterfly. That's know, right. yeah, I remember the butterfly on the record label itself. Good one. What else you have for me? Nice. Album covers 1978. Exactly.
1: second one. Uh, another uh, beautiful lady, Carly Simon and her record Boys in the Trees. I found out that Carly Simon album covers are a thing uh, and there are multiple multiple websites uh, dedicated just to them. And amongst all the Carly Simon album covers, Boys in the Trees stands out as the piece de resistance. So who am I to argue? Uh, The inspiration for this sultry, sophisticated image was, of course, the album's stunning uh, title song, Boys in the Trees. Boys in the Trees. Uh, Photographer Deborah Tubeville uh, chose a ballet studio as a setting for the album's photographs. On the cover, by placing uh, Carly off-center, Tuberville thereby uh, allowed the singer to fill up the, kinda, the empty space, yeah. as they say, um, and thereby uh, allows the presence to become even bigger than it is. And sorry, guys, while he, she was actually topless during the photo session, a top was painted on huh. to the photograph covering her bare breasts. Wow. When you open the lavish gatefold um, album sleeves, you do not find photographs that are more revealing than the cover, but instead shots that are actually more concealing, emphasizing the very personal nature of the music. So no centerfold, gatefold? Exactly. Mm. Now, I'm not qualified to go into any more great detail, but if you're curious, Mm. you should definitely seek out one of those websites.
0: And yes, by the way, it did win the Grammy Award for the Best Album Package of the Year. Carly Simon Boys in the Trees, You remember You Belong to Me, co-written by her and Michael McDonald who was all over the place then but hadn't yet debuted. Well, he had worked with the Doobie Brothers but Absolutely, hadn't yet debuted yeah. uh, the big album minute by minute that was coming. Carly's the daughter of famous publisher Richard Simon of Simon and Schuster fame I wonder if she wrote right. a book and who would who would publish it for her. <laughs> So, Frankie, sad news, Jay Black, you know, Jay and the Americans. Yes. Passed away, 82 years old, about a week ago. I saw that. That's very sad. Known as The Voice, born in Queens. uh, He almost was 83, just uh, passed away like 13 days before his 83rd birthday. This magic moment, Karamiya. Sure, he could hit those high notes. Oh, my goodness. He (laughs) He was on those PBS specials. Yeah. And the last time he performed, apparently, was 2017. He had a gambling problem and lost the rights to used the name Jay and the Americans, and was able to keep the rights to Jay Black. So then he became Jay Black the voice, and that's okay. how he toured and made some money because he was in huge amount of debt with the IRS for his gambling addiction oh, oh over the years. Okay, Frankie, starting Season 4, a semi-new category. I really like Download Discovery. You know, people know our tastes pretty much by now. We're turning around to some music that may or may not have done so well. Maybe not in the United States, maybe it did well in Australia or Ireland exactly. or the U.K. Uh, but we like it, and we like to have you preview it, if you like, on YouTube or, or Apple Music, and then download it, if you like. You've got one for me. I didn't know this, but Frankie goes to Hollywood. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Yes, Frankie Goes to Hollywood and their uh, epic uh, album, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Now, this was far more popular, as you just said, in the UK. Here in the States, the single, Relax, made it to number 10 on the chart, and that was pretty much it. They were done. Uh, The band released only two studio albums in their career, and this is their debut album. It is a concept album, basically about the dangers of success and the hedonistic lifestyle which, we of course, we've heard before. Um, <laughs> it starts out with tropical bird songs, tribal chants, and an altered recitation of Coleridge's Kubla Khan that lead into an expansive version of the th- title track, clocking in at almost 14 minutes in length. Wow. That fills the entire first side of the album. Um, it's absolutely transi- entrancing, kind of like uh, Kraftwerk's Autobahn on steroids. Mm-hmm. Next up is Relax, quite simply, one of the most exciting and notorious singles of all
0: time. You can tell that uh, iconic
1: ah at the beginning. You got it. And uh, then there's covers, uh, a few covers War, Born to Run, <laughs> and Do You Know the Way to San Jose keep the curveballs coming. Wow. Finally, Frankie rewards us uh, that stick around to the end of the album uh, with their magnificent opus, The Power of Love, which makes it all worthwhile. Do yourself a favor, download this, give yourself an hour,
0: and just listen to it from beginning to end. Well, the song Welcome to the Pleasure Dome was an astounding 13 minutes and 20 seconds long, exactly. so that's almost an hour right there, if you think about it. It was um, cut down to a more reasonable 4 minute and 20 second version. The uh, band from Liverpool, England, we know another band from there. That's right. Parts, came out in the punk scene in the late 70s. It sold over a million copies pre sale in the UK, so it was guaranteed the number one spot on the album charts in the UK when it came out in 1984, and was released as a CD, which was big news, a year later. That's right. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. For me, I've got a download discovery, and you know, I was telling you about how I worked at radio station WQAL Easy 104. Right. Uh, when I first started out, it's number two in the market, and we played easy listening. But we're moving on from the Andre castellanets genre. To more smooth jazz and uh guys like David Benoit, David Sanborn, uh Larry Carlton rippington's, I love that music, but when I came home after five hours of playing those great tunes every night, mm-hmm. wanted something different, wanted something that was up tempo that I could relate to that's a more lyric oriented and something we weren't playing on the radio station exactly. and I found it with the uh Boston group till tuesday every everything's different now, you know, Amy Mann. so it wasn't a female group, she just led. The band. It was released in the early summer of 1988. The album's called Everything's Different Now. is their third and final album. The title cut J for Jewels, Believed You Were Lucky, Rip in Heaven. Great pop stuff. Great oh, rock yeah. stuff there. It's followed up to the 1986 album Welcome Home, which featured What About Love and Coming Up Close. You remember those songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everything's Different Now, only managed to peak at number 124 in the top 200 album chart here in the States, produced by Rhett Davis, who engineered and produced for some of these acts. Dire Straits debut album, Talking Heads, more songs about buildings and food. Oh, nice. Genesis Selling England by The Pound, King Crimson, Roxy Music, great producer, engineer, mixer, and kind of like in the Rod Argent vein, you know, I was Mm -hmm. talking about Janita Tickerum's Ancient Heart album, so Rhett Davis put this one together. Everything's Different Now by Till Tuesday. You won't be disappointed if you download any or all of the songs from the CD from 1988 Till Tuesday. Everything's Different Now. This week's download discovery. Featured artist this week, Paul McCartney, Sir James Paul McCartney, Frankie, born June 18th, 1942 in liverpool lancashire england mother mary patricia midwife and primary wage earner you see his dad jim was a volunteer firefighter for the war effort in world war ii you know paul mccartney everything has pretty much been written or said about him just going to talk about paul you know Mm -hmm. if i could interview three performers that we've been talking about not all together but maybe one at a time it'd be paul mccartney for sure okay eric clapton David Crosby, I think Inter- that would give us a Interesting nice little, choices. Yeah, you know, a little definitely. wide array. Who would you... Would you be interested in something like that? And oh, they have to be performers that are alive
1: today. I, I definitely... Paul McCartney would certainly be one of them.
0: Paul's proficient in bass, guitar, keyboards, and drums. He's played them all on all these albums that he's done. So his albums started off in 1970 with McCartney. Then That's he did right. McCartney Two in 1980, and then McCartney Three in 2020... So, his albums were fantastic. What was your favorite of all of his?
1: Well, I think I'd probably have the two that came right together, um, Band on the Run and Venus and Mars. Yeah. I thought they were both terrific albums um, for their time, and also um, they kind of set the stage for his, the rest of his career,
0: to be honest with you. What do you I, think about the, the critics? You know, Namby Pamby, songwriter, pretty easy going, silly love songs. I thought that was unfair.
1: Yeah, I do too, Uh, especially something like Silly Love Songs. If you listen to the song, it's quite complex, especially the bass line, and it's one of my favorite bass lines. Uh, And, yeah, the the words are pretty simplistic, but if you listen to the song, it's far more uh, complex than you might first take it for, and I think that's what you find in a lot of his tunes.
0: I just don't think it's debatable. He's one of the top
1: songwriters of all time. Well, I've said for years and years, um, you know, 300 years from now when we look back, like we look back now at somebody like Beethoven or something like that, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that they're going to look back at during this time period and they're going to think much of, but I think Lennon and McCartney uh, for the 20th century will be definitely two that they absolutely are still looking back on and still playing the music.
0: No else. doubt about it. 1970 brought us McCartney number 1 in the States, number 1 in the UK for the album Ram. Uncle Albert and Admiral Halsey was on that one. That was number 2 here in the States and number 1 in the UK. Really no surprises there. Wildlife in 1971, Red Rose Speedway 1973, That Had My Love. Mm-hmm. Then he did the Live and Let Die on the soundtrack, you know, the right. James Bond album. Band on the Run number 1 in the UK and the US as well as Venus and Mars. Band on the Run was nominated for album of the year, Grammy Award, but lost out to fulfilling this is first finale by Stevie Wonder. That's right. A lot of good competition there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Band on the Run, of course, the title cut, Jet, Helen Wheels, great album. Venus and Mars had uh, the rock show and, you know, listen to what the man said. Uh, Wings at the Speed of Sound, a year later. He's putting albums out every year, Frankie. Yeah, he did. Uh, for many years, he put an
1: album out every year. It was just like, you know, for them, I think it was just like the Beatles. You know they expected to put something out it didn't matter you know
0: now at first he wasn't playing much beatles stuff he didn't want to do disservice to the band's music exactly so he would play smaller venues like college towns and they would stay in these college towns and real bare minimum accommodations mm-hmm. and only performed to like 300 people but he would only perform a couple of Beatles songs. This is just when he first started getting going. You know, Wings Over America, that huge tour. So he's writing songs, putting out albums, and then touring. And that Wings Over America, that four-sided mega album, I think everybody's got that one in their collection. Yeah, I I, I
1: definitely bought it. Uh, I bought it uh, as a uh, record, uh, 33 and a third at first, and then uh, definitely bought it as a CD when it came time to buy it uh, in that form. But fantastic live album and like you said i think even on that record there's not much in the way of uh stuff there are a couple Mm -hmm. but there's not really much in the way of Beatles stuff and i think he did that on purpose he wanted to you know to highlight what he was doing then you know
0: yeah and at the time wasn't really getting along with john kind of did kind of didn't george and ringo I'm not sure if he helped out on any of their music. I know John really helped out a little bit with George Harrison and then Ringo. We'll talk about John next week as a solo artist, John Lennon. Looking forward to that. Right. On Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. Uh, So I guess legend has it that Paul McCartney was at John Lennon's apartment the night that George Harrison appeared. With Lauren Michaels on Saturday Night Live. I heard when that, they offered yes. him three thousand dollars and George said it's a little chintzy to get back together. They had thought about briefly going over to the studio that night since it was live and they were in town, but they, yeah, they were gonna
1: get in the limo and, and drive on over. over. And yeah. they
0: realized it was a little late and you know.
1: And I think they realized that if they did something like that it was gonna kick the whole Beatles thing off again. Yeah. And I think that they felt that they were kind of stepped away from that enough so that they didn't need to do something like that would have been nice to see it would have been fun would have been fun (laughs) would have been
0: nice to see john and paul perform on stage i know nobody knew about john's tragic death coming but boy you know i always wish they would have gotten along better in the 70s they were heading in different directions of course and still sore about the musical direction that paul wanted to take kind of business manager after brian epstein's death and John didn't take kindly to that, and the whole Yoko thing, and
1: exactly,
0: you know, they were still putting out great albums. London Town featured uh, with a little luck. That was mm-hmm. another number one another song. Great t- back great to tune. the egg in 1979, which still remains one of my favorite albums. Yeah, uh, arrow through me and some other great tunes. McCartney two from 1980 coming up, but the live album, the live song uh, performed in Glasgow actually hit number one. The studio version didn't do so well, did it? Yeah, it
1: was uh, not. It was definitely a tale of two different versions because the, uh, um, the McCartney 2 version was pretty simple. Yeah, pretty simple. Uh, and, uh, boy, when they uh, came out with the live version, everybody loved that.
0: 1982 brought us Tug of War with Ebony and Ivory and Take It Away. Mm-hmm. He actually appeared on that video with Ringo Starr playing the drums, you know. on the, That was a good video. Um, we talked about how he sent the video of Ebony and Ivory out to Stevie after Paul laid his part down. Stevie, being blind, said, I can't see it. (laughs) How about if we do it the opposite way? (laughs) So, Uh. number one song, great album. Things kind of, he was still putting out albums all throughout the 80s. uh, You know, Pipes of Peace and Forever, uh, Flowers in the Dirt, uh, his greatest hits album and uh, called All the Best. Press to play. uh, Give my regards to Broad Street. Not so great a movie, but uh, the soundtrack, pretty good.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he kept putting out uh, materials and uh a lot of them were pretty good but they you know this that was at a time where rock and roll was kind of being overlooked you know especially anybody from the 60s or 70s yeah. uh it was grunge time and you know and rap exactly
0: and then country started getting together you know the younger kids were listening to rap and I'm talking about younger we were in our 20s but right. I wasn't into rap, like, at all. Not at all. But that was, for me, the younger group. Which, i mean, 18, 19 years old, which was younger than us, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and they were driving album
0: sales. Yeah, they were. Know? And CD sales. and Exactly. Before downloads, of course. Flowers in the Dirt was good. That was 1990, uh, 1989. And I came to town... In a big tour in 1990, I could not see the show. I had tickets, but I couldn't make it that night. But um, did you go to the one in the stadium? I did not see have it. Have you seen Paul McCartney live? I have seen it him, but uh, it was uh, one of the stadium shows. He's been on a lot of tours, hasn't he, over mm-hmm, the years? And absolutely. now he's playing more Beatles stuff. And has released Paul is Live and a lot of other uh, live CD compilations, which exactly. are good if you want to get your hands on those. His first concert tour with his new band, Wings, was 1972. Kind of dropped the moniker Wings late in the 70s, you know, just went with Paul McCartney and still did his work with Linda. Started out by only playing those small venues. Um, he only played music from his solo career, but he wanted to get into some other stuff too. He released five classical musical albums in the 90s and later.
1: I didn't realize that. Dozens
0: of movies, mostly appearing as himself in documentaries. He's performed on Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, the concert for New York City, Live Aid, dozens of tours as well. His latest Freshen Up tour was scheduled for 2018 and 19, then COVID kind of got in the way. 39 shows were performed worldwide. He did not have uh, any here, but the tour was interrupted uh, usually The the set list typically featured 35 songs. Good glory. 35 tunes. He's just celebrated his 79th birthday, and I'll bet you he goes on tour again, don't you think? It wouldn't
1: surprise me. Uh, I don't know how they do it. Uh, We were talking about that before, how some of these older artists uh, can can do it. But... uh if anybody can, it'll be him.
0: Takes a lot of energy, including Boy, that's for sure. The four songs on the encore list generally speaking when he's on tour, Helter Skelter, Sgt. Pepper's, Yesterday, and Birthday, wrapped, wow. uh, wrapping up with Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight, and The End. Wow. That's Paul tr- McCartney. He's that's just, tremendous. He's fantastic, don't you think? Absolutely. I remember seeing him at Yankee Stadium, sitting in the front row drinking a beer. Oh, really? As 1999 or something, and they were playing a song from McCartney, The Beatles or something, and he stands up with his beer in hand, turns around, waves to the crowd, you know? Nice. Seventh-inning stretch or whenever it was. Mm hmm He's a cool guy. Oh, he definitely is. And,
1: uh, you know, you can't, I mean, there's no way that you can overemphasize how much he's meant to Not only rock music, but music as a whole. I mean, he is not
0: just a rock musician, obviously. Paul McCartney, our featured artist. And next week, Frankie, we're going to get into John Lennon as a solo artist and quite a solo career he had cut too short at age 40. But we're going to talk all about John Lennon next week. So, Frankie, before we close, there's a new book coming out. Paul McCartney, The Lyrics. It's out tomorrow. Okay. Paul recounts his life, an amazing career with 150-plus songs that he's written. Through all points of his career, the Beatles' Get Back documentary will be debuting on Disney Plus at the end of this month. It's directed by Peter Jackson, he of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's right. It's supposed to be really good. You know, the Let It Be sessions... uh, somehow produced kind of a negative tone. You know, it looked like they oh, were they certainly along. did, yeah. But this documentary depicts it in a whole different way. You know, Peter Jackson spent the last three years restoring and editing this great documentary. It'll be on Disney Plus again. And it's going to be presented in three separate episodes, each one approximately two hours in length. So you're going to get a lot of good quality stuff in there. He, Peter Jackson, the only person who has allowed access to these archives, over 60 hours of unseen footage that was shot in January of '69.
1: I didn't realize that.
0: And 150 oh hours of audio. It has the blessing of Yoko, and Ringo, and Paul, and so and and George Harrison's wife. Right. So everybody's on board with this. Those are two things to look forward to here in the month of November. Well, yeah, I can't.
1: Up. I can't wait to see that. Um.
0: When it comes out, definitely. Disney Plus season four is underway for Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. Thanks so much for joining me, Frankie. Thanks for having me. And uh, John Lennon will be our featured artist next week, so join us. For Frank Ost, I'm Tim Friedman. We'll see you next time.